You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Well, welcome back to another episode of Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what's going on? Derek, we're in the midst of a legend, so we should probably start with introductions because there's a lot, a lot of listeners that are from outside of Buffalo, and this is a treat. So, uh, sir, do you want to introduce yourself, and then we'll start with basically interrogating you on your history and your overall impact for the city of Buffalo? Okay. Uh, I am Vic Carucci, and I cover the Bills and the NFL for the Buffalo News. I've covered the NFL for 42, I believe I just finished 42 seasons wow. uh, of doing that, just that particular league and sport. And um, yeah, have worked for uh, several different papers, but beyond the news, I, I say several, a few. Uh, it started out in Utica, New York, uh, where I was born in that area, uh, suburban Utica, and started there covering high schools, auto racing, all the stuff that uh, uh, that, a, that a, a person would be willing to do for $7.50 a story. That, that's wow. what I was paid back then. And I thought it was, I thought I was the richest guy in the world. And, and the better, the more, I mean, uh, for me, more valuable than the byline, was, or than the uh, $7.50 was seeing a byline and seeing how the editors rewrote everything I had uh scrawled on a uh, legal pad uh, for my stories because I didn't quite know how to type yet when I was in my early teens trying to work my way into this business on a part-time basis. Um, Camden Courier Post, which is uh, out in South Jersey, outside of Camden, New Jersey, that's where I got the big break of covering uh, major college sports, the NFL. I, I, mm. was, uh, I was covering the Philadelphia Eagles. That was when Ron Jaworski Played for the Eagles. Dick Vermeil was their coach. Herman Edwards was a cornerback uh, for that team. So, um, so that was uh, the the opportunity to break into the NFL. And I was nowhere near ready for that. But <laughs> some dude left. Some dude left the, the beat suddenly and left them hanging. They needed somebody, and I was hired to cover major college sports. And I was more than happy with that. I was covering Penn State, and I was covering Villanova when uh, Howie Long was playing at Villanova. They were wow. a D1 program back in the day. Um, and uh, I and uh, my beat also included the University of Maryland. It was an odd thing, but I was doing it for, so Gannett, the Gannett company owned that paper and they had me covering uh, colleges on a regional slash national basis. I did like a national column for the Gannett 
news service. And, and then, as I said, the Eagles beat open. And I said, sure, I can do that. And I'll do them both. I, I'm single and I'm insane. And I would cover a college <laughs> game on a Saturday and get to a bill to a Bills, to an Eagles game on Sunday. I guess yeah, I must have covered an Eagles. I know I did. I covered an Eagles Bills game somewhere along the line, but I was covering the Eagles and um, I was young enough that it wouldn't have killed today. It would kill me. Sure. Then it didn't. At least I don't think it, it hurt me too badly, but I was. Yeah, I was operating on very little sleep, a lot of caffeine. Uh, and then uh, the Buffalo News hires me in 82. So what did you always want to do this? Like, what was your aspirations in school? Did you did you want to do something else? Did you go to college for this? What was your path like that? So so my path was um, I fell in love. The first love I had from a sports standpoint um, and I liked all sports and we played them all as a kid, but football became ingrained in me. Uh, and I was that, that, that seventies, uh, young, younger. I mean, I was a sixties child, but it was late sixties, seventies that the NFL became what, not what it is now, but started to dominate the landscape, at least from a TV uh, standpoint. And I was the guy who was, in front of his TV every Sunday uh, and pretending to be. And then when we'd go, you know, when we'd go out in the, in the backyard or a playground, uh, your, your favorite players. And I, I had, so I had this passion and, and I grew up, even though I grew up in central New York, my team was the Los Angeles Rams. Mm. I, I just, because all my friends loved the New York giants primarily uh, and rooted for the East Coast team, some like the Jets, but they weren't all that popular. There was really little interest in the Bills. Then they weren't very good uh, back in the day, or, or the AFL just didn't catch on there in, in central New York the way it did, uh, obviously, here mm-hmm. and, and in other AFL cities. So I, I was this big Rams fan, um, and I just found myself gravitating more to the game. Like, I wanted to be a part of it, and I knew my limits as, a, as an athlete. I, I mean, I'd certainly gave it my best to try to play it, but to play it at a level that I could stay involved with it in, in a, in a, in a, something longer than either junior high school, high school, whatever mm-hmm. I knew was not going to happen. So I decided, well, what, what else could get me close to this game? And coaching became a very big part of that oh. uh, I, uh, thought process. I studied, I, I pulled out a lot of books. I was the kind of guy who would go to the library, study a t- subject, ask questions, talked with the, the head. I, I was very close with our uh, coaches at, at the high school, at my high school, and, uh, and and would talk strategy with them and so forth and ask them about, you know, coaching and what was in ta- what it entailed. Um, and, and it seemed like a possibility. Uh, and it was fascinating to me, the strategy, especially the teaching element of it. But then it, then it, Somewhere along the line, I thought I saw this sports writing idea like I and I never really connect, even though I would read sports. I didn't realize what it involved and what it and and that you could be very close covering the games. And it wasn't there were no there was no ESPN. So mm-hmm. the broadcast, there was radio play by play, but you didn't. That wasn't really the thing. The thing was, if you were going to be close to sports and in, in, uh, to the in my case, wanting to be close to the NFL, sports writing was the avenue. So I pursued that to the fullest and realized that that involved something. Um, at that point, my uh, skills as a writer, English classes, and, and, and again, I was so fortunate. There were English teachers mm-hmm. who 
understood, I communicated to them what I, what I wanted to do. And they communicated to me in no uncertain terms, Hey, if you're going to do this, you've got to be proficient at, in writing and reading, especially. And, and a teacher to uh, uh, Mrs. Jackson, way, way, way. If you're going to be a good writer. You have to be a great reader. Mm. And I, and again, those were shortcomings for me. So I, 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 I met that she, now she used the sports writing thing as an incentive. You want to get, get here and you got to do this. So, um, and, and the student newspaper, uh, also involved, you had to have at least a B average, uh, to be on the staff. That was the requirement. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it was written into the school bylaws then, but I probably never fly now, but then it was uh, a thing. If there are still student newspapers, I guess, but anyway, I uh, so I aspired to do that and, and elevate my grades and actually surpassed that and was averaging somewhere in that B plus uh, range. Yeah. So I was a A minus B plus student and and working on my skills as a writer and having her just uh, you know be as tough as could be on me to and then she was the advisor and uh, and that's how it started and then I thought oh my God I want to be the sports editor of the student paper and everybody's going to want that job. Well, it turned out that those who were interested in student newspapers weren't that interested in sports. So I, could, <laughs> I, I was fortunate. I was pretty much the only one who could. So not only did I write my own copy, I also illustrated, uh, did some illustrations uh, of, of uh, you know, different uh, sports action uh, mm-hmm. scenes. Anyway, it worked from there to um, to getting that part time opportunity, and then and then understanding that journalism, studying journalism, would be the way to go. Uh, so that it would happen in in Utica as well, Utica College, and pursued all that. And and at a, uh, at a again at a time when um, it was it, it wasn't what it's it was. How can I put it? it I think I was sort of like pursuing an old school idea even even now i know now it it, it doesn't have that same uh, it, it, there was a time when you know people would tell me if you're not into espn or whatever the young people i'd speak at classes and what, whatever sports writing wow what's that of course it's turned into blogging it's mm-hmm. turned into a million other things that involve the written word of some sort but mostly it's it's got elements far different than the pr- the print ink stained wretch thing that I was a part of where you, you hold the paper and have ink all over your hands. But that appealed to me. There was something romantic about that. And then you had the whole uh, Woodward and Bernstein, all the president's mm-hmm. men, and, and that made it sexy in the 70s. Uh, you know, that's when it really exploded. And that's when journalism schools started to see just all kinds of interest. And, you okay. know, uh, right, P- people would flood to that. So I, I was slightly ahead of that curve, but I realized uh, it was a, it was, it was me. It was the calling, um, and and I also understood that I couldn't just excel at sports writing. That that if you're going to be a journalist, journalist means you can write about anything. You can cover any story, and and that was something I learned through again school, through some great professors, some great journalists, uh, old school and and some new school people that mentored me uh, along the way at, at all my different stops and. Uh, and, and there were, and it was actually a requirement um, in in the first couple of places I worked that you had to do other beats besides the sports beat. Um, it was it, you had to okay cover cover courts, cover school board mm-hmm. meeting, cover the weather, write about the weather. Um, and I felt that that was 
valuable. Now, I mean, at the time I said, why am I doing this? I just want to be in a press box. cover. But it, I, I, I was thankful years later that I had that opportunity. And I, and again, I realized um, that, it, you know, the, it, it's, it, it makes you well-rounded. Sure. And so I, so yes, so that was, that's what all that went into it. And, uh, and I, and it pretty much was living, fulfilling a dream, but it involved before I ever got to the NFL, I covered high schools. I covered auto racing. I covered boxing. I, you mm-hmm. name it, track and field. You, you sit there and take scores over the phone, you know, with the phone on your ear like this and, and you're typing away and typing on a typewriter, <laughs> Yeah, a typewriter. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and so the technology, I saw all that evolve through the years and I saw the business evolve and, um, it, 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 you know, it's been an interesting ride to just see where it is in 2021, uh, versus where it was say in the, in the seven, you know, late mid to late seventies when I really started to get into it and professionally. Sure. Now I'm sure it's just like everything else where you become more comfortable. Like, you know, in, in today's day and age, you just go to the stadium and then you know exactly where to park, you know where to walk, you know who to talk to, how to get through the, you know, the security and things. But when you first started and you were doing the the beat outside of sports, I mean, when you were green in the industry, what was that experience like when you're like, okay, I now have to go to some random courthouse and write about a case I basically know any, like, I really don't know anything about. Um, did, was that just like you have a media badge and you're like, I'm here for the news and then the facility took over or was it like all on you to learn? Uh, it pretty much was on me to learn. And I'll give you a, I'm so glad you used that courtroom example because uh, there was a player for the bills. You guys, I, I mean, you may know, you'll know the name uh, probably Joe Cribs. Mm-hmm. If that rings a bell, yeah. if you're really up on the bills, you know that history. So there was a story when he played for the bills and then he was, um, signed by the United States Football League. And there was a battle between the NFL and the USFL, of course. And uh, uh, Joe was, there, there was uh, an issue over the rights. Uh, the, the, you know, the Bills were challenging whether he could be signed by the Houston Gamblers football team, which was owned by a dentist, a former, or I guess he was, I don't know if he was a former or current dentist, his name was Dr. Jerry Argovitz. And uh, it was a it was a kind of a famous case, and the Bills actually didn't the the, the contract. It, the, the short of it is that they didn't protect themselves against that league. I guess they were protected mm-hmm. against the Canadian Football League inv- invasion uh, on uh, of rights of a player, but it went to court and it went to uh, a U.S. District Court in Buffalo, and I was assigned to cover that, and it was really my first opportunity to to get into the courtroom and and kind of know and i asked a lot of questions that mm-hmm. was the thing i talked with our court reporters I, uh, I again did the old library thing read pulled out books and tried to understand what was involved and 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 talked to uh some friends i knew who, who in the legal community in buffalo to just get their feel for it uh give me opinions on on what exactly and, and what i was in for uh, relative to covering it uh, I, you know, you, I asked all those procedural questions of our court reporters. It wasn't all that difficult. In fact, it was less formal doing that than going into a press box where, and, and I think of what, what it is now, you go through those metal detectors mm-hmm. your whole, and I mean, pre-COVID, you're going through, you <laughs> right. know, I guess post 9-11, pre-COVID, it, it, it was, it's an effort to, to get in and, and go through the security, even when the security guys know you. 
right. uh, their pet you down. But anyway, what is that Baker commercial that does that where he's walking in and they're like, "Dude, you know me," and he's like, "I can't. I got a Baker. I'm sorry." It's, that's 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 not a joke. <laughs> the, the courtroom thing was, and it was interesting uh, to to listen and and also cover it in a different way. You 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 um, I, I it, it helped me with the emotional element of it and what i mean by that is you i i've always i've tried to teach this to, to younger folks because i had to learn it myself remove be dispassionate remove the emotion from the coverage because you're not doing yourself but especially your affiliate your affiliate your employer or your readers especially any favors if you are emotionally involved in any possible way to that game Good or bad, if you're if you're it, you have if you go into that with a rooting sense or a sense of that, that you could have the opposite of that, be, mm-hmm. be really frustrated and angry, act the way a fan would normally react to a bad situation, to watching its team not do well, uh, or feel they're being cheated by the officials, mm-hmm. or that the other team is doing something uh, illegal, whatever. If you let that seep into your thinking your your view it will seep into your writing right and i always feel that those are the that's the worst thing that you can well, say the worst it's it's not a good thing sure uh, i'm sure there are worse things but it, it's 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 high on my list of of, of the um of the not to do sure or what you don't of the don'ts don't don't be be the dispassionate guy and a lot of people can't understand it well you're mm-hmm. you're covering the bills or you were covering the eagles you're, you got to be a fan. You're, you cover for the fans. Who's reading what you're writing? Right. Fans of that team. Well, they are, but I, I respect them enough that they would hope that what I present to them is not is 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 got no filters on it. Mm-hmm. That it's that it's my my view, my sense of what's happening. And you still can disagree with me in any way. I mean, in fact, I I hope I'm making you think rather and, and whether you love it or hate it. If you read it, I win. Mm-hmm. That's always been my goal. And, Good and point. It's, and it's always about re, you know, do, making it. And, and here's the other thing. what I do root for one thing and one thing only for every game, the best story. So for this past Super Bowl, what was the best story? I got it. I mean, if anyone thought it was anything other than Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl, his right. seventh, with a different team, one year after he leaves the team for 20 years, and for Buffalo readers – I know it drove them crazy to even think that they care about that, but guess what? They care. Right. And that was the story, and, and I rooted for that. I wanted. I would have been happy to write about Patrick Mahomes winning back to back with the Chiefs. To me, less interesting than Brady doing what he did, but obviously you let it play out and see what happens. Yeah, it's funny that you mention your professors and all the due diligence you did in your writing and making sure that your punctuation was correct and things, and then now you're so focused on removing how you feel about something and when we first started communicating via email i like we were both shaking like (laughs) how do we start this conversation like what do we even say and then i'm sitting there like well hold on like i'm typing so you have to like don't speak like you need to give me 45 seconds because i have to make sure that my punctuation is correct i don't look like i'm totally off the wall and then when i hit send i immediately started sweating i'm like well I hope he likes it. Like, I don't know what to do. So it's, it all, I, I, I feel you. (laughs) It was totally fine. Um, and, and to this day, I, I'm I'm 
talk about myself. I mean, I'll be my harshest critic mm-hmm. and try to read again. Time is often not a, is never a friend. I won't say often not a friend. It's never a friend mm-hmm. yeah. in this business when you're trying to get you, you know get it out there and get it done. But I want it to be right. I mean, I mean, not just factually first and foremost, and and that gets lost too often today and uh, you know i'll sound like the you know the old cranky beck and lady we check things 15 times (laughs) but there is value in doing that Mm -hmm. because your credibility is on the line and as far as the structure and the writing you'd be surprised if the person i think about is the late mrs jackson Mm -hmm. or the late mrs starnes or, or those teachers who i knew were their red pens all over my work or Fast forwarding it to having had the opportunity to, uh, you know, to, I mean, to write professionally, but editors with whom I worked at different places, especially book editors. And I was able to, you know, uh, fortunate to do uh, 10 books, 10 or 11, whatever it's been, uh, and work with editors from Simon & Schuster and Doubleday and Random House and uh, HarperCollins. They are, they don't play when it comes to editing. And uh-huh. they will, and, and when you see a line and the margins, uh, and now now everything's electronically done. But I, I when I'd write books, and, you know, the manuscript would be about this thick with eight and a half by eleven paper, and you'd see in red, this page is bloodless. It's like, oh God! I mean, you want to hear? You see something like that? You just want to just die. You sure. just want to say. In other words, the, this uh, what, this editor who uh, who I don't know. I, I I it wasn't the guy that but I, the editor who. Um, I worked with an editor who worked uh, with, on, on the book uh, Marley and Me, hmm. and, and who hated dogs. By the way, there's a little really? side. Until he got that manuscript, <laughs> ended up crying when it was over, like we all did. Uh, but, but I realized that's some pressure. That, I'm, that's yeah. just one of his credentials that he edited that book, and now he's going to edit a football book. Sure. And okay, so you so you um, you you your self editing becomes a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and to the to the point that you made about how I might react, and by the way, fine, your emails were wonderful. <laughs> but I did have an opportunity uh, in this business uh, to to be an editor, work for uh, my stint with the Cleveland Browns uh, involved and, and NFL.com, but uh, the Browns especially working on their internal media. And when you'd post a job and have uh, and human resources would, would forward you all these emails. Or, or resumes and, and cover letters. And it was easy to eliminate because the job involved writing, it involved communicating. Mm-hmm. And if you couldn't, if I saw that you were a poor communicator with the written word, with your spoken word, whatever it might be, you were, it was easy to eliminate. Right. And that's, and I tried to, so ha- having two daughters of my own who, who I am blessed, they've gone on and done tremendous things professionally, but in there so we had a little joke with both both were uh, both are niagara university grads and um and through and they're four years apart so it was eight eight consecutive years of tuition uh, <laughs> niagara i got a little scholarship help but i had a lot of it came out of out of out of this pocket so and, and i'm darn proud because they they did tremendously well but the joke was the oh my older daughter kristen would tell her younger sister lindsay you better let dad read your papers because dad is good for at least one grade point or, or, oh. or maybe a grade point oh, wow. and a half better after he edits, you know, because I can, I could just clean it up. I didn't rewrite it. I just would make my edits 
And and so that would be our thing, you know, like getting and it kept I, in many ways. I felt like I was I was going to school with them. It was, mm-hmm. it was kind of a fun, uh, fun thing. Fun That's awesome. Ride. So we got to talk about the current bill situation and kind sure. of what's what's been happening in the past couple of years. So at what point yeah. being a journalist, do you report on rumors or uh, thoughts without the league? Because I believe last year we didn't hear too much about Diggs coming to Buffalo. We actually heard more about it the year prior to that. Uh, with the whole Minnesota Vikings wanting to trade him and everything. And this year, J.J. Watt gets released by the Texans, and Bills fans are drawing lines. He had a blue heart and a red heart in one of his tweets, so it must mean he's coming to Buffalo. His wife's eating wings. So at what point, being a journalist, do you actually report on some of this stuff, or do you ever let things slip under the rug? Well, no, I mean, this commands attention, Mm -hmm. the story commands attention, period, because for this very simple reason, it's it's been identified uh, edge rusher pass rusher as a top need i mm-hmm. think it's the most pressing need for the team however they go about addressing it whether it's the draft or free agency i think you know it, it's I, i'd be inclined to think it's more of a draft pick idea but the but this was remember what is different than say uh, a shaq barrett from the buccaneers entering free agency uh, or a bud dupree mm-hmm. um because I think the market for those players is likely to be higher. There is, there are more, uh, they're, they're younger and, and presumably healthier players, although Dupree was hurt, but to the degree that you're talking about Watt as a veteran. And I think he, he, he's into this market now and available. Um, of course, the, the conversation is going to start mm-hmm. be out there. I should say to the extent that, okay, are you, do you kick the tires on this guy? Well, yeah, I, it makes sense. And we've seen those reports that they're among the teams. And I would be shocked if they weren't among, what, a half dozen or so teams. I would think that, you know, he, what his representation would have interest pretty much everywhere right. to goal number one, keep his keep his standard contractually as high as he can keep it. I think it's going to be a, a challenge, uh, you know, as a, mm-hmm. as a free agent. And again, the years and the injuries and all those, but he is worth the fit. I think would be excellent as a as a character, as a character mm-hmm. fit, as the type of player person. You know the whole Sean McDermott program. You know the need is there. Um, how much do you get out of him? But then that all goes along with how much you have to pay him. And the what the Bills, where the Bills have been really strong, where Brandon Bean has excelled, is identifying these cases. You know, with Diggs, he saw a player that he knew wanted out of Minnesota. He mm-hmm. couldn't. Diggs was pretty public about that, even if he won't admit those specific words in any round and every roundabout way. He made it clear. Everyone sort of knew he wants out social public media and being on the record said, I saw his tweets or his posts or, or whatever their staff saw. He saw that as an opening mm-hmm. to say, hey, you guys want to talk about a trade. So that's how that happens when you identify it. Now, this is different. Uh, this is not a trade. This is this is an, uh, an open market guy who who, that, who could fulfill a need. Will the price be right for for the cap being where it is? Uh, I know this team wants to go down the road of doing a long term deal with Josh Allen, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure they will sooner rather than later. So everything has to fit. But uh, sure, it, it it could happen. And rumor wise, I don't I don't put that in the to me, a rumor is he's signed, it's done, sure. or or he's about to sign. And where did it come from? Where's the information? Oh, you, you, this day and age, you have to pay attention to everything that's out there. 
and then vet it. Is it, is it, is it credible? Mm -hmm. Does it have, you know, and, and the, I know there's the, and I, I say this lovingly and laughingly because I've known him forever, but Adam Schefter mm -hmm. and I go back many years when he was you know, working in Denver uh, and I, and I, I, I had the, the pleasure of helping with his uh, getting his first book deal uh, that he did on Mike Shanahan using the same literary agent I had. And, and we were, you know, we, we've been close even before that, but we had that bond and, and he's the guy you can talk to on a regular basis, whatever. And I know, the Adam Schefter test of things is if Adam says it, it's probably ha happening. So uh, you give it, you give something that sort of test. He takes the occasional five minute vacation, mm -hmm. but he usually he's usually <laughs> on all the time. And I don't, I don't, I don't do what he does by any extent. Uh, and I know his, his deal is talking to everybody 24 seven, never sleep. Uh, and he's plugged in everywhere sure. and, and he's great at what he does. So, I haven't seen that yet, but if I saw something like that, regardless of the story, and, and it involves the bills, you say, okay, yeah. there's something here you better you better get to. So we talked about Sean McDermott building the culture and how J.J. Watt would fit and all that stuff. But from your perspective, how has your job changed with Sean McDermott coming in and creating this inclusive culture? Has it made it easier for you to report on, or is it less exciting because you don't get those oddball players that don't fit? Well, look, great talkers are just that. They're, they're, you, you, you always enjoy, you want players to mm -hmm. be themselves and you want them to be characters. And again, I, I, I have to guard against saying, back in the day, <laughs> everybody had their guard down. We could walk in the locker room and, you know, you, did, you had, you know, Fred Smurlis, who we did a book uh, together. He was great. You could say anything. Uh, you know, very chatty guys back in that Super Bowl run. Steve Tasker, mm -hmm. Kelly would do something, you know, say something. Um, you, you'd have Thurman, Andre, you'd go down the list. Daryl Ken Hall was just a quote machine. And you could walk in that locker room and spend, it's, it seemed like forever in there. I don't know that there were even time limits. The, long before Sean arrived, the, the league became very much an appointment deal with media, oh, right? Okay. A very limited time very homogenized, very sanitized, I should say more than homogenized, but I guess it's homogenized as well. But then you get, it became much more commodity reporting. And obviously that's not going to be your best stuff or your most interesting stuff. You, you, anything that you generally see writers do that win awards, that's because they got a lot of people on their own and alone. It's not from the group sessions. Sure. Um, so to your point about difficulty, I, I wouldn't call it difficulty, but I would say, there's a tone a co mm -hmm. coach generally sets with his team. But even the, I mean, you had the loosest, the loosest guy you've had in recent years was who? Rex. Rex. Yeah. Right. In terms of there were no rules then. No, everybody felt he could speak his mind and did. And you'd have a Sammy Watkins complain openly about mm -hmm. not getting enough passes. You know where that got Sammy? It got him traded. Right. Because when Sean, when Sean McDermott or Brandon Bean came in, Sean said, eh, I don't want that guy on this team. I don't want a guy that says, throw me the ball more mm -hmm. and I demands it more and make sure he tells the media his agenda. You don't, how often are you seeing those kinds of comments or quotes or anything from this Bills team? You don't. Right. Not it, at it's, all. It's, it, it, and if you do, if it, it's like a, a beautiful melody and then there's that, that sour note that comes into it. That's how that's how Sean or Brandon Bean would hear that. It's the whole dynamic is different now opposed to then. Um, but it also brings in a question that I have for you is 
regarding your questioning, um, not you specifically, but the media in general, when McDermott first showed up, it was the same generic answers for about the first year and a half. And WGR 50 after the, the conference were like, well, you heard it here first. So, uh, there isn't a change and we're just going to move on. Cause, and they, they were actually like annoyed with it. So for you guys, is there any norms or customs or underlying rules for questions that you ask? And I'm sure it comes with like time in the industry and things, but is there like, ah, come on, man. Like you're the new reporter. You don't ask that kind of a question or, I mean, I'm sure you pick up what I'm trying to say, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I, I, this is my philosophy on, on questioning on, on asking a question in a, yeah. whatever setting you're trying to elicit a response. Um, it it's so you, okay. You're going to say duh, but it's the the response is got to be something I think meaningful. Mm-hmm. So avoiding a yes no question. How do you go about that? So you condition yourself. You ask more like how and what and why, right? But you don't. Do you think will get you almost nowhere? Right. Are you concerned and and asking a head coach of an NFL team or of almost any team, if he's concerned about anything, he's concerned about everything. His <laughs> life is one big concern. Right. And I want to say Sean said that at one point said that there's almost nothing. I'm not going to head coaches are, are just different cats, man. Mm-hmm. They, they, they go to, they go to bed concerned. They wake up concerned. They look outside that's a concern. They look at a snowdrift like I'm looking at now. There's something wrong with that snowdrift. That's how they think. That's how they're conditioned. Mm-hmm. So it's how you frame questions. Now, I'll give you an example uh, since you brought this up. Uh, and I caught a bit, I, I wouldn't say the ire, but I definitely caught Sean the, about the only time I can remember since. And I've known, I knew Sean before he arrived here. I considered him someone that with whom I could communicate at like the combine when he was actually going back to the Eagles, but especially when he was with Carolina, we'd spend time together. We just hit it off and talked football or talked life. Interesting guy. And when he got the job here, it was, we, we, as he was going about the process, we, we spoke, we, we were in touch. Uh, and I knew his, know his agent pretty well, very well, uh, Bob Lamont. But anyway, he, um, after the Arizona game, after the Hale Murray play, mm-hmm. There was a long gap before he was available, which is generally the case with Sean. He's usually the very last guy to on these Zoom calls, and that's a whole nother thing. Uh, but anyway, sure. Sean um, obviously is – I mean, who wasn't just from the Bills? Who wasn't in this bad mm-hmm. place over that play? And I, and I had a long time to ponder – the question of this last play, this moment, because this is the game, this, this, right. And, and we all basically knew, I say, we, the, the three of us and anyone who's watching that game, what did, what did we know that should have happened? Knock the ball down, right. get, the, get the knockdown, right. Some, and that should have been the design of what they were doing. And you could watch it a million times and you don't get that sense that everybody who was involved in that play, uh, including Jordan coming in at the very last second was really, it, that was more of a that way than a than the volleyball knockdown that we you know knock it down right right Old, yep just fermenting Tom Jack. okay so how am I going to get him to say I, I I wanted to say something other than of course or yeah or whatever 
should they have knocked it down? Should they have? Because if you phrase it that way, that's what you're going to get. Right. If you, if you get anything, and I, 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 I was racking my brain. Okay. And Sean finally emerges, and there were very few hands up in the Zoom room. When he, you know, so yours truly puts that hand up there. <laughs> going to going to get this. So I came up with my my strategy. My strategy was. Was there anything different that you wanted to see your team do in hmm. that situation? I mean, and, that's and a fair question for him. Forcing something other than a yes/no. Right. Yeah. Well, he's raw. He's and that wound is wide open and bleeding, and it's like you might as well have been putting salt, vinegar, or whatever you could imagine into that wound. But I, but I went for it, thinking whatever i at least get something better than yes or obvious he started with well well of course well Vic, you know you've been you've covered this game a long time you and i could see him getting hotter and hotter but he, but he i'm waiting for the words and he says we yeah you should be knocking the ball down you know he said that right. he said that not some variation of that but that's what he said you knock you want to knock the ball down Boom. <laughs> got it that's all i wanted he was. He, I know he wasn't a happy camper. I think the week before, or ten days or so before, he saw in my background. I had a little sign wishing my uh, granddaughter Emma a happy birthday, and I think he noticed. I know he noticed it on the Zoom, and he said, "Is who is Emma? Is that your granddaughter? Can you tell her happy birthday?" I mean, just a week before, he's wishing my granddaughter a happy birthday. Yeah. So this is that's jovial, John, uh, Sean. After the Arizona game, not so jovial. <laughs> like there was fire breathing. Yeah, we want we want to be very conscious of your time. We know that you're a busy person. Do you have time for one more question? Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah. So this year or this past year football season, Mike and I both, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people too, we had this expectation or this hope that the Bills would at least get to the playoffs again and win one playoff game, and they far super uh, like obviously passed that expectation. So from your right. perspective, what is your expectation or what debt or milestone do you want to see the bills reach this year if any is there do you guys talk about that yeah well sure i just look you're you're measuring everything is is a measurement in in sports Mm -hmm. and you're measuring a standard what was the standard last year get past the wild card round which i think it it was fair to say that we watched that game and said they won that game Mm -hmm. (laughs) they found a way to lose that game so I thought of last year as a team being good enough to at least have played two games and should have played two games. And I credit, I give a lot of credit to the Texans, especially Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. You talk about the proverbial put the team on your back and you know, right. seven sacks and however many hits he was in, in dealing with from the defense. And it still wasn't enough to allow the Bills to protect a 16-point lead. Sure. It all just evaporated. We know what happened. <laughs> And then it was the Josh Allen sort of unraveling game, right? Yeah. So we saw him come a long way, and that game definitely fueled him into one of the hardest working off seasons that I think a quarterback or you could have to right to bring himself to that point. So um, he, excuse me, <laughs> he uh, was going to not let games like that get away ever again. That was his mandate. He plays well, certainly well enough against Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Solid defense that day. I don't know that the Bills played great that day. They were they were certainly good enough, and and Philip Rivers had a chance at the end. We yeah. know that. 
But we knocked they, it down. They survived. They, they survived that one. Next week was um, obviously Baltimore, and that was an ugly defensive struggle. Mm-hmm. Josh, the offense that we saw and and were so enraptured, didn't look anything like that in that game. And then we know what happened against Kansas City. But the standards higher for sure. Uh, the team is better. The team was good enough to be a Super Bowl team. Josh was good enough to be in the conversation mm-hmm. for MVP. And I did vote. I have a vote and I voted. I was one of those four votes. And I don't think I don't consider it a homer vote. I thought he legitimately remember that vote is based on the regular season. Sure. And in the regular season, I thought he had MVP credentials. Not I didn't say he towered above Aaron Rodgers, but I put him ahead of him and I put him ahead of Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And I I had it one, two, three that way instead of how it ended up with Rodgers, Allen and uh, Mahomes. Um but the defense was not what we saw a year ago or in 2019. Certainly, that is where when you you know we talk about the need, whether it's going to come from a J.J. Watt or the draft or somewhere, get better, get pressure. Uh, the cornerback situation opposite Tre'Davious White, uh, linebacking. Uh, however, they they sort that out, and with or without Matt Milano, it's got to get better. So you can identify, and then you know the need for back on the offense. Tight end help. Um, yes, uh, running back. The O line can can yeah. certainly do a better job. The running game's got to be present. I yeah. mean, it doesn't. I know they were a pass first team and sprinkling the run, but you do that not because you you don't care about the run. You do that because you don't have confidence right. in your ability to run. And I think that's what showed up as much as anything from Brian Dayball's play calling. Even though he took advantage of the best thing he had, I know he wanted more balance, mm-hmm. and they've got to have that. So. We identify those areas, not to say if they don't address them, they're going to be a lousy team. No, they're really good. That can make them great. That can put them where they need to get. And and it's a big leap of, of faith to say Kansas City's the standard and they have to be better than Kansas City. That's a that's going above and beyond. They're they're better than um, uh, they're better than that. I don't mean better than Kansas City, but in the sense that what what let me say what they were in that playoff game is what they were. And mm-hmm. yes, they lost to them twice in a row, but the standard for 2021 has to be, be your best self better than you were in 2020. And I, you know, we know what those, what that list includes. They're probably not going to hit everything on it. Right. They should be able to hit more than, than, than enough of those. And then see where that gets you. Does Kansas city, Take a because they're trying to get better too, or do they take a step back? Mm-hmm. Super Bowls and and back to back Super Bowls can be a problem. You you have a harder time hanging on to people. Uh, your mindset changes. A lot of things happen. So the hunger is there. But uh, I do you to your point. Do I expect them to be better? Yes. But we'll have to have a we'll have to revisit the conversation when we get in, into the season mm-hmm. or after the off season and, and discuss what did they do sure. for the move they made. Awesome. Or not me. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's fascinating. I we could literally talk for hours. Yeah. Especially because you expand on every question. Yeah. So thank you. We also well, do ask course. better no, questions. You well, you guys no, this is fun. I, I enjoy doing this. I love and my, my family gives me some crap because you go around a you know, whatever a restaurant or somewhere somebody wants to talk football, but what what else is there to for me, what else is there to <laughs> right. talk ball? Yeah. That's what we do. That's what we do. You know, yeah, you could, you know, I'm not going to talk about the stock market. I know nothing about that stuff. I'm certainly not going to talk politics, but I will talk, you know, we'll, we'll talk uh, football till, you know, till the cows. Yeah. 
and he already said that uh, we'll touch base after the offseason. So we'll, we'll, we'll put, uh, yeah. put you on the calendar. So Vic, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Um, and I have a feeling it's going to be a very busy offseason for you. I think it will. For, yeah, for, for a lot of, certainly for uh, a lot of Bill's uh, media and the team and Brandon, Brandon, I'll put it this way, Brandon Green and Sean McDermott, they're going to earn those, uh, they're going to earn those contract <laughs> extensions. Sure. Oh, no doubt. Cool. Well, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. All right, guys. My pleasure. Take care. Thank you. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.